The Lord be with you. Welcome to this year's first Faith in Plain Sight class. You might remember we we kicked this off last year for the first time, so this is the second annual Faith in Plain Sight class. Um, this class is going to meet here every Sunday during Lent, um, except for Easter. And we'll have a different UPC member every week telling a story. Each week we'll highlight a UPC member who has a story to tell and is willing to tell it. (laughs) And it's one that points toward God's grace, the power of being part of a faith community, and how we all have tiny miracles in our midst. There is an audio recording, so um, one idea is that in a way this is an oral history of the stories in our midst that tell of God's faithfulness. Um, Aaron Collier will edit the audio recording, so anything that happens in the small group, questions or conversations will not be aired to the world, but um, you all, the storyteller and the host will be. Our hope is that during this class, we'll listen to each other deeply, learn more about our sacred connections, and recognize the role of the Holy Spirit among UPC past, present, and future. And now I'm going to turn the program over to Amber. Good morning, everyone. Can you hear me in the back? Yes? Okay. Um, Hey, I'm Ann Bryan. I'm here to introduce to you um, Ann Scaff and to just give you a quick overview of the class. Um, I'm going to introduce Ann, and then she's going to tell us her story. Looks like we're going to break into small groups also, according to the list. We don't have to if things get fluid. Um, And then we'll come back together as a larger group. The storyteller can answer questions. Um, We can close with prayer before everybody heads off to church. So, It is my pleasure to introduce uh, my friend Ann Scaff, who I have known now for close to 30 years. Um, When I moved back to Chapel Hill and got married, I joined a book group uh, with Ann, Catherine Savage, and there are probably others of you in this room. Um, I've been in it for 29 years uh, because I've been married for 29 years. So I've known Ann a long time. Fun fact, though, I was on my honeymoon in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and my husband Jamie said, oh, hey, Ann, how you doing? Talking to Ann Scaff on the side of the road. Um, She doesn't remember this, but I very clearly do, because I said to Jamie, my husband, who are you talking to? I was like, oh, Ann Scaff. I've known her my my whole life. So anyway, um, Ann is here today, as as Hadley mentioned, to um, do our first Faith in Plain Sight course. Ann's going to be talking about community today. Um, She brings identities to a lot of, from a lot of communities that she's a part of. I just mentioned the book group. Certainly, um, the communities of moms and grandmothers. She's a UNC retiree, so for those of us that work on campus, go Heels. Um, And a lifelong Presbyterian with a rich Presbyterian history, including college at a Presbyterian school. Um, So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Anne. Good morning. I'm glad to see all of you. Um, I grew up in the Northeast. My mother was part of a family where absolutely every single male on her side was a Presbyterian minister. Some of them had rather significant roles in the world. One of them was a moderator of the General Assembly. Um, And my mother, in her wisdom, when she was quite young, sort of 
stepped back a little bit from her family and became, in their mind, a little bit of a rebel. So I was raised by someone who was a flapper in New York City in the 20s, um, appalling her parents, by the way. Um, my father was not a minister or a doctor, and that did not make him appropriate, as they thought. So they married anyway, and we were all born, all four of us, in New York City. Um, my father worked for Bell Labs, and then we eventually were relocated to New Jersey. So that's my background. I grew up in a wonderful Presbyterian church in Basking Ridge, New Jersey. Um, looks very much like this church, in actual fact. Um, I was married there. My parents were buried there. And I never in my wildest dreams ever thought that I would end up in the South. It, the track that I took was that I went to the College of Worcester in Ohio. I don't know how many of you know about that school, but we have a bagpipe band. And if you know of anybody who wants to have a bagpipe scholarship, that's actually possible. Um, <laughs> I met my husband there. My brother was also a student there at the time. And um, after he, we both finished, we moved to Columbus, Ohio, where he went to medical school. Um, I worked there. I was doing the things that you do when you're just out of college, and I belonged to a Presbyterian church there and sang in their choir. So I've been doing that most of my life. Um, I don't want to digress too much with this. Let's see. Um, when he finished his res when he finished medical school, we moved to New York City, where he did his his residency. He was a surgeon, and I had three children during that time. We lived in a two bedroom apartment with one bathroom and three small children for seven years. And I guess I thought that I would always be living there. When suddenly he came up with this idea that he would like to accept a position here at UNC, which is what happened. And suddenly, in my early 30s, I was transported to Chapel Hill. I had never been south of Mason-Dixon Line in my life. I did not know <coughs> what being a Tar Heel meant. I, is that a basketball team? Oh, okay. So I, we, <laughs> we moved down here in the early 70s. And I moved in in advance of his arriving by three months. Um, during that period of time, I had the extraordinary opportunity to get to know Mary Jane Burns. Some of you might know her or remember her. And she said, oh, you're Presbyterian. She said, well, we have a new Presbyterian church here in town. It's called the Church of Reconciliation. I had been a member of, do you know where this is, Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church? I couldn't even imagine it, but she was so persuasive that, that I went to visit the Church of Reconciliation. We had no sanctuary. We met in Phillips Junior High. We carried coffee pots from a little farmhouse over to Phillips because we couldn't use their kitchen. Um, we had Sunday school classes in people's homes. Um, it was a very small congregation, but the big thing about the Church of Reconciliation was that they, it, was a, it was colonized by people in this church. Some of you are sitting here. I, how many people came from this church, Catherine? A couple of dozen people. Some of them you would know. They had, a lot of them came back to this church. Yeah, right, right. 
Um, so the enthusiasm and the energy was just amazing to me. I had never had that kind of experience before. My children were enthralled. They were all young. I mean, we're talking preschool and elementary school. So um, I decided this is what, what I wanted to do and um, became very involved within those early months. And by the time my husband arrived, he joined us, and it became our family church. And we grew up in that church. It, we had a black minister at the time. One of the goals of Church of Reconciliation was to be biracial. I don't know if a lot of you are aware of the fact that that was their initial mandate. And when I came, we had just hired Marion Phillips, who was with us for, what, two years? Something like that? Yeah. And I think we succeeded to, to a good degree to really make that work for a while. A lot of people were encouraged from black churches to come to our congregation, and we became all became close friends. Our children became friends. It was really, really an, a wonderful experience. Um <coughs> A, let's go ahead 10 years and talk about why I am really here because I had been married for quite a long time by then um, when my husband decided that there was another person in the congregation that he would rather be with. I was blindsided. I really, really was not expecting it. I think I'm looking back on it. I was very naive, but... I hadn't. I made no plans to, to think about a single life with these three by then teenage children. I just. I was just totally blown away by being put in this position. And I thought to myself, you know what? I really. I don't think I can even go back inside the doors of that church. By then, we did have a sanctuary, but <coughs> but suddenly, people just started reaching out to me from that congregation in ways that I wish I could recreate for you. I mean, they, they, they took me into their offices. They took me out to dinner. They said, you know, you're going to have to figure out a way to go back to work. You're going to have to wait, figure out a way to take care or to do something about finances. I had no independent income at the time. I had a little bitty amount of money that I'd put in a special account, which allowed me to get, ladies, take this into consideration, my first credit card because at that time, your husband had to sign for you to have a credit card if you didn't have any assets of your own. Um, so someone from the congregation was an incredible lawyer, and he took me on, and he looked at me, and he says, do you have any money? I said, I know. What am I going to do about it? <laughs> he pretty much took me on and handled it for years until till everything was settled. One of our friends in this congregation was a CPA, and he called me into his office. He says, Ann, you've got to consider this as a business that you're breaking up. Uh, a business? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. I decided I would not mention too many of these names because it doesn't seem fair to bring them in <laughs> public if they don't want to be recognized. Um, Someone started talking to me about how I could think about getting a job, and I started at a, I ended up at with a really low-level job at UNC. I mean, I started, I had to take a typing test, you remember those days, on a typewriter? And then I <laughs> realized, well, gee whiz, if I'm going to do this job, I'm going to have to learn computer skills. So 
I went back to Durham Tech and, and learned how to use computers back in the day. Do you remember when you had dual floppy disks? It was a long time ago. So um, somebody helped me work out arrangements with a therapist. I ended up with two different ones and they were very different but helpful. Um, and I began to see maybe there's a light at the end of the tunnel, even though in this congregation it was extremely hard to get away from sort of being sort of the center of everyone's period interest. <laughs> um, I would say one of the bad things about being in a situation like that is that people want, they want to know the story. They want to know what happened and who was at fault and all the rest of it. And uh, that got quite old. So when I finally was able, after a number of years, to effect a, an actual divorce, because it was long and drawn out, um, I became Ann Scaff again. That was not my married name. And people said to me, are you sure you want to change your name when your children have you know, their father's name? I said, I'm just going to take a chance. I think it'll work out. And uh, when I started at the university, I suddenly realized nobody knew who I was. It was like I'd suddenly become another person. It was <laughs> they didn't know I had a family. They didn't know anything about me. And I ended up working there for several decades. So, I mean, it was, it, it, it literally saved me. I, I, um, when I think of some of those people who just came, they were almost without exception people that I did not know well to begin with. Um, it wasn't they, like they were my best friends. Um, so that's my experience of community. And I decided there had to be a way to translate that into something meaningful, meaningful in my own life. And at one point, um, I had been an officer in, in the Church of Reconciliation, and that was helpful, useful. I did some divorce and separation groups. I facilitated some divorce and separation groups, which were church-related and women's center-related, and that was helpful. But what really transformed me was deciding when my last child went to college that I was going to come to the transfer my membership to University Presbyterian. And do, do some of you remember Mary or know Marian Johnson? <laughs> Marian Johnson, I think she started following me around the church and said, you know, I think you would really be a good Stephen minister. And I said, what's that? Um, Stephen ministry was fairly new in at the at, this was in the 90s at this church um, they were just beginning to get it started and I thought well I'll give this a try because it sounded like something that I might be either good at or at least interested in um, I ended up doing it for eight years I, I end up going to Baltimore for the leadership training and became a leader for four years um, I can't tell you how significant that was it was a way for me to get people get to know. Do you, does everyone in this room know how Stephen Ministry works? Most of you, do you know? Yeah, I know a lot of you do. Well, you, we we have, at that time we had bi-monthly, bi-weekly meeting. No, bi was it my twice a month, right? Yeah, uh, and we would be assigned different care receivers, people who had particular needs who needed to who needed to have somebody who would be willing to provide a caring ministry. And so probably in the years that I did it, I facilitated, I don't know, maybe a dozen different um, care receivers. Um, 
some of them became my good friends. Um, so that would be where I would go w with my concern about community, um, commu being part of this community. Um, I have always thought that I was, you know, not all that important in the Presbyterian Church. I never particularly thought myself as being a particularly important person in the church, but the connections that I have made through these two church relationships has made me feel that this is really where I belong, and this is who I want to be, and I want to be with people who have the same value systems that I do. These days, it's a little bit harder sometimes to even admit that you're a Christian, right? Um, because we have we have all this going on in our po polit political system that a lot that takes a lot of away from acknowledging that you might be a member of a church. But I'm extremely proud of it. I'm I'm finding this church right now just very invigorating and lively, and I love seeing all the children and working with. I, it's just it's just so gratifying to be here. Um, see what haven't I talked about? Oh, finally, I wanted to say, um, a couple of weeks ago, Jarrett did a, a, a sermon on servanthood, and it really struck home with me. I don't know how many of you heard that one, um, but I almost felt like he was speaking to me personally because he was telling what, what I wanted to say, only he said it a lot better. <laughs> um, I believe, am I correct on this, that you can read that sermon on the website if you want to. I would suggest that you do that. Um, he also talked about something that I thought I had discovered, this story about the people in the Temple Mount walking in, con you know, one, the mourners walking in one circle and, and the, what do they call them, the, the, the people who wanted to be the caregivers walking in the opposite direction and as they passed, they would give each other blessings and oh, I just thought that was such a lovely idea. I mean, I almost wanted to get up and start walking in a circle. <laughs> um, okay. So finally, I would say, I just think it's really important to know that we're really here for each other and that you have an opportunity almost every single time you're in the church to be more aware and attentive to what is going on with other people around you. Um, I think I learned that uh, we're not just sitting in a pew by ourselves. I love the fact that we talk about paying attention to who's in the pew with you. I think it's extremely important. Um, so finally, I found this Bible verse, which I thought I'd end with. Matthew 20, verse 26. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. So that is about what I have to tell you about. Now I maybe there are people who would like to ask questions. My life in the choir. I have been in I actually did a lot of vocal work when I was at Worcester and I actually met my husband there. We had we it was one of the things we did well together was we sang together. I have sung in every single church and every single choral organization. <laughs> it's 
from the time I was 10. Our choir is doing a good job, don't you think? You have to say yes, because I'm sitting here, right? <laughs> <laughs> we are loving having Joey with us. He's just a joy to work with, and he really understands vocal music. Um, but he expects a lot of us, I think probably more. I've been in a lot of choirs. I think he's in some respects more demanding than some than others that I have been in. He, he, he seems to know when you're not on pitch. <laughs> and he sort of has a way of looking. <laughs> 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 he must have perfect pitch. Do you think he does? I'm not, I'm, I think he probably does. Uh, scary. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I love singing in the choir, and I'm probably the oldest member there. Um, I keep telling myself that, Anne, it's really time for you to age out but I love it too much. So if I can still do it, I'm going to do it. That may not be that much longer, but who knows. Right now, I just, oh, I can say one farther thing. I live at Carolina Meadows, and we have an extraordinary number of, of um, Presbyterians out there. I, um, we've started having, is it, we're having a lunch soon. Uh, there must have been 40 people there. It was just amazing that you don't see them here usually on Sunday because a lot of us don't drive anymore, but um, they're very visible out there. It's, it's encouraging. Um, so getting old isn't that bad. <laughs> uh, yes? Extremely hard, and probably that was when I felt the most vulnerable because I did not want to have to ask for help. And when I <coughs> mentioned all these people that came came forward, I mean, I, I hadn't asked for that. They just did it. And I think probably sometimes we're afraid. Let, let's just use an example of divorce, but it can be... It can be grief, losing a partner, whatever. We don't know what to say, and so we say nothing. Um, I will say, I can recall my mother, not she was always the one who always said something. I can remember growing up with that. She really did. She was a real caretaker. <coughs> so I had that, that really good example. Um, when people came to her funeral that I didn't even know, and they said, did you know that your mother did this for me? Mm. No, I didn't. So... Speaking of that, I did not have my parents <coughs> when I was going through all of this. I was in my late 40s, early 50s when it happened. And <coughs> they were both gone. My siblings were not anywhere nearby. And so I didn't have any family. Um, it, it became my family, for sure. My kids, by the way, all did really, I mean, they went through it. They knew about it. They talked about it. But they are all doing well. I now have five grandchildren and a little bitty great-grandchild. <laughs> <coughs> Are there other questions for Anne before we break into the small groups, which we will actually do because it's on the list? <laughs> okay, I'll ask one, Anne. Um, 
you talked about growing up Presbyterian, and I guess I would just say, like, how do you think your spiritual foundation, your spiritual roots helped you through this difficult time in your life? Um, uh, yeah, we talked about that the other day, and I really didn't allude to that. Um, when you are re when, when you're a child in a church, every child has a different way of dealing with it. And I, we went to church every single week. I mean, we always did. But I re never remember taking it all that seriously. I didn't even take it all that seriously when I was in college. Um, it really was the Church of Reconciliation that transformed my view of being a member of a church. That w it really was. But on the other hand, I certainly had the example back in my childhood of my faithful parents, you know, going to church and, and insisting that we go no matter how bored we were. <laughs> Not that church is boring. No. <laughs> well, when you're 12 years old, <laughs> it sometimes is boring. <laughs> I guess I'll ask a follow-up question to that. As you sort of reflect on your story um, and your sort of foundational Presbyterian roots, like on reflection, where where do you see or where did you see either now or back then God in your story as you were going through this time? Well, what it, what is God to you? For me, it's God is love. And I, I don't have a picture of a God who is some kind of... Uh, has some kind of appearance. It's it's the experience that we have with each other in our world. And the most loving experience as I've ever had from people who really did not owe me a thing were church members. When people ask me, why are you still going to church? Does anybody in out there have that experience? What do you say? I say because it's I want to be there with the people who give me that kind of support and who, who are in the world in a way that I want to be in the world. I'm not, I haven't always done it perfectly, but I certainly think I've done it better than I would have it without it, for sure. Any, any other questions before we do our break up into small groups? Yeah, Toby? How did they help me connect with what? Well, <clears throat> I think every single one of them, and Toby knows them, um, will tell you that the people that they remember the best from Chapel Hill are the people from the Church of Reconciliation. That's no doubt about that in my mind. Yeah. Well, even now when they come back, they it's amazing to me. I mean, they're in their 50s, and they... They still talk, they said, where is so-and-so, and can we get together with so-and-so? I mean, it's amazing to me. I really find that gratifying. None of them live nearby, unfortunately. But I'm here. <laughs> so they have to come, right? <laughs> You know, the church, I have not, I, I have to admit, I haven't been back for a while. I've been there for a few funerals, but um, <coughs> it's very well established now, and it has a very different feel to it. 
from what it was when I was there. Um, they're doing well as far as I know. I think they, their new minister is quite popular, so glad to hear it. Well, I want to, uh, we're running short on time. I want to really thank um, Ann Scaff uh, for this first um, Faith in Plain Sight, first in our series. Um, powerful story with, with lots of things for us to think about, not just today, but to take into our week about community and its importance um, and how faith wraps around that for each of us in our individual lives and as a larger community. Uh, and I guess I'll turn it over to Hadley, who's going to close us in prayer. Holy God, thank you for sacred stories among us. Bless us with courage and humility that we would each and all live with faith in plain sight, that we might point toward your grace and change the world with love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.